I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, February 15th, 2020. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... four essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Three in the dollar... It's a late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon, here today with Jim Crone and DJ Barker. Hello, hello. Hey, DJ. Good morning. There's Jim. Hey, good morning. I'm sleepy. He's a a pretty exciting (laughs) Well, we'll get to that because I'm a certified fund specialist. Well, you you are. If you weren't certified, I wouldn't believe it. But, (laughs) you know, you are certified. Yes, I am. And you are more fun than a barrel of monkeys. (laughs) No doubt. It's a kickoff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there you go. Mm. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, we usually talk about the financial markets when we stop talking about Jim Crone. Um, Jim, you have various designations, professional designations Mm -hmm. that make you an insurance guy. There you go. Right? Yeah. So it's, uh, I'm just going to back out of your way and let you tell us what they are. Yeah, we'll we'll mess that up for you. I'll be making fun of you while you do. So, yeah, I actually did take courses for this, you know. It wasn't something like you just sort of fall off a turnip truck and get to get insurance, right? You didn't find it in a Cracker Jack box. (laughs) This guy works. That's right. So it took me 10 courses to be a chartered life underwriter, or in other words, a clue, a C-L-U. This man has a clue. There you go. All right, and what else? I'm certified in that regard. Certified in lieu. Yeah. Uh, so the other one is the certified fund specialist. I always got to, I always got to emphasize that D because sometimes you can take it and run with it. Oh no, I always take it. Even (laughs) if you emphasize the D, you Mm -hmm. are a certified fund specialist. I can try to liven it up. Yeah. There you go. When you're talking life insurance, it's always fun. It's always fun. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about life insurance. Why they call it that? I don't know. Because all we're talking about is when you don't live anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, let the I fun, mean, let the fun begin. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, no more morbid uh, discussion of, than than that one, right? Right. Um, and uh, DJ is a financial planner. He's actually a managing associate in our financial planning and implementation department at Hensler Financial. And uh, I, I always call those guys financial planners. It is basically what you do, although it is Absolutely. not your title. Uh, DJ holds right. the Certified Wealth Strategist designation. Correct. And um, happy to be back. There you go. It's been banner. It's been, it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, been you've been, been out wrangling emus. Anytime I don't see DJ, I assume that in his past life, for those that might not 
have remembered this because I call him out all the time. He <laughs> used to be a police officer. That's right. And uh, one of his major claims to fame was chasing a, was it an emu? It was yeah. an emu, yeah. He chased an <laughs> emu down Thornton Road and uh, successfully I tackled it. And you won. It, yeah. I got him. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I He was breaking the law is what it was, right? The and the law won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't right. fight the don't. law, Mr. Emu. And, and they had warned them that they have this uh, very sharp, thorny type uh, claw, you know? a talon. Oh, my God. And that's what they use to attack you. DJ oh. didn't put up with any of that. <laughs> and you don't see any long-lasting scars that's that's right. from the talon. So He's got uh, a good story to go with it, though. I mean, what better story that's fine. than an emu chase on a... I mean, it became a foot chase. I don't know if the emu was driving a car when it all started. <laughs> I just can imagine that's what, maybe it was on a moped. The case is still pending. I can't talk about it. <laughs> oh yeah, all right, all right. there's that. I'm kidding. Guess, guess our fun is over. Jim, got anything else? That's it for me. You're the fun specialist. Uh, all right, uh, let's talk about fun. some financial stuff. Um, I could yammer on about nothing all day. Uh, over the past week, we have had a gain of 1% on the S&P 500. And hey, guess what? Real estate is the big winner. Uh, 3.86% over the last week. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Uh, consumer discretionary, 2.62. And utilities up 1.58. So um, usually if I see this, I would assume We've had a bit of a change in mm-hmm. some interest rates, and uh, that would be correct. We had uh, interest rates fall, which adjusts prices usually that are interest rate related uh, to uh, you know higher levels. Uh, Thirty year was up just four basis points. It's all relatively muted, but anytime interest rates go on the decline, uh, you do see those rate sensitive uh, sectors gain. And uh, both real estate and utilities are interest rate sensitive. For I think the first week in recent history, um, over the last few weeks at least, uh, energy is not in the basement. Energy was actually positive this week, gained 0.91 percent, but materials did decline. Not quite by there. 0.61 percent. Yeah, you look at this 12-month number, guys. 25.16 percent. Gain on the S and P 500. That's kicking. Uh, that's serious. Information technology up oh, here 49 we go. and a half percent. Boom, 49 and a half percent. Yeah, that's nuts. Uh, yeah, no doubt, especially when you are a pointy-headed financial analyst like myself, um, and you look and you say, "Well, where are the earnings to back that up?" Because the tech didn't have much in earnings over the past 12 months, so. Uh, uh, a little bit disheartening that you see the market fly like it did. I mean, we started off that 12-month span with a pretty significant drawdown. Late 2018, you'll recall, oh, yeah. and we had almost a 20% decline. I mean, we're splitting hairs to say it wasn't 20%, but right. it was 19.96 or something like Round that. Rounded up to 20. Yeah. We yeah. don't round it. Nope. No, no, I'm, nope. I'm not giving it to He's 20. not giving you a 20. <laughs> anyway, but... Uh, yeah, from September 20th to uh, December 24th of 2018, we did have a significant decline. So a lot of this is what I call, and I don't think it's really a word, but reflation. Um, you know, seeing the market come back to a right previous sizing. price. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you just look at it, uh, price-to-earnings ratios were what I considered reasonable after the decline, and now they're back to somewhat bloated. 
Uh, last I looked, uh, information technology had a price-earnings ratio around 28, uh, pretty high. Um, anyway, so over the over the past 12 months, energy is still showing us that basement down 10%, yeah. while information technology is up 49 and a half. Uh, big stuff. Probably more relevant news is uh, earnings season. We are uh, seeing companies in the S&P 500 and basically all corporations in the U.S., uh, public corporations uh, are reporting their earnings. Uh, these are fourth quarter 2019 earnings. We always get them a couple of months late um, and not really late. There, there's a lag and, you know, it takes yeah. a minute to close the books and get everything reported. But 380 of the 500 S&P 500 companies have reported uh, earnings growth is uh, whopping 1.09%. Sales growth up three and a half. Uh, big notable spots earnings growth in the utility sector. Now this makes a little sense when you see, um, you know, utilities are the uh, among the the top um, performers. 28.97% uh, gain in earnings year over year in utilities. Wow. And 29.84% uh, was the gain over the last 12 months in the utilities sector. So, you know, while I say that it seems a little odd, that makes a little more sense, right? So what about information technology up a big old 5.89% for the quarter? Hmm. And yet it's still hmm. just knocking the cover off it's the ball. It's gone. Gained 10.8%. Uh, Year to date, this is uh, mid-February, and we're talking year to date. We're up 10% in a month and a half on this big earnings 5.89% gain. Um, I, I, I just report the stuff. It, you, know, this, <laughs> you don't these, drive it. You just no, <laughs> I, I, I usually spend most of my time these days scratching my head over this efficient market hypothesis that we always talk about in finance. Um, I'm sure that there's some efficiency to it somewhere. Um, sometimes I struggle to find it a little more often than others. So this At is least one of those that, times. In, in that sector, you mean? Mm, yeah, well, I mean, there are several others. Uh, energy, which we said was down 10% over the last 12 months. Uh, earnings down 46.79%. Um, closely behind it, materials 29.95, almost 30 Um you know, another spot, consumer discretionary, which is also up uh, pretty big. We're like middle of the pack over the last 12 months, 22.61. So it is below the overall market, which is being skewed significantly by that information technology gain. Uh, but consumer, uh, consumer dis, uh, discretionary is not so easy for me to say today, <laughs> uh, down 10.5% earnings in the first quarter. So earnings season's not over, but, uh, you know, we're what we're about 76% through it um, in the next couple of weeks. It'll wrap up, but thought it was worth mentioning. Um, well, we're going to take a real quick break, and when we come back, we will have a dog of the week, and then we want to talk to our certified fun specialist <laughs> about, some, yeah, about some insurance stuff, situations. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back.
Dog of the week this week. It uh, actually involves a dog. It's always a good thing, right? That's good. So uh, appropriate. You know, a, a fellow in Virginia said his dog came home one evening, and uh, in his mouth he was carrying what seemed to be a puppy. The more he looked, the more he realized it wasn't a puppy. It was a bear cub. Oh. Ooh. A bear cub. Oh boy. Was it so living? Yes. Living, squalling, crying. Which means mama bear ain't too far behind. But uh, (laughs) basically unhurt. Mama bear did not show up. Really? Strange. Yeah. So you know, bears usually um, mate in midsummer, and uh, they uh, theory is that they have their young while they're hold up for the winter mm-hmm. you know they uh, probably that far south i would imagine it's kind of a broken um yeah hibernation but you know further north they will hibernate pretty hard uh but they bear their young usually in the ground while they're hiding out from the winter so seems a little odd that mm. dog would show up with a with an abandoned cub but that's what has happened mm. so um Seems a little strange to me, and I'm glad that my dogs have never shown up with a no. bear cub in tow. Although I have two wiener dogs, so yeah, it'd be pretty <laughs> rare. For my be, dogs yeah, to show up. Who's carrying who? Yeah. 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 Can we keep it? Uh, yeah, well, I, I would say I'll keep the bear. Send the dogs. <laughs> the dogs get to go. Yeah. Anyway, I always oh, mess man. with my children. In fact, I was telling them this is kind of a side note, not to my. Bear of the Week story, but uh, I told him that, you know, uh, Valentine's Day, I was going to have my my uh, female wiener dog uh, was my favorite Valentine, and <laughs> to celebrate, I was going to give her two pounds of chocolate. Would that be okay? <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they didn't go they over didn't like they, well. they, they didn't like It did not go over well. idea, so Dad I, joke. Yeah, oh, no, absolutely. I'm yeah, full of thanks, dad. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. Mm. Dad joke. Yeah, yeah. We, we love that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, in this case, what they have done seems very interesting, and and it was strange to me, but I thought I'd share it. Uh, The um, Virginia uh, DNR, for lack of a better term, Department of Natural Resources, they have a, uh, I think there's this called the uh, Virginia Department of Game and Inland Fisheries. Uh, They have various bears that they have collared, radio collared, all the collars have a different frequency, and they know of two or three mama bears that have cubs. So what they plan to do is they will take this young cub, and they have another. They actually have two this Whoa. winter. Uh, they're going to take them and put them near the den where they know that the other mama bears are. I assume they'll let the bear make a little noise, uh, the baby. Mm. And uh, they hope that they will be brought in, adopted, adopted oh, to the it. to the family where there are already a couple of cubs. I wonder what kind of paperwork that would be necessary <laughs> yeah. for that. Yes, listen to the insurance guy. <laughs> well, here we are. Yeah, here we paperwork. go. And I'm going to need you to sign yeah. this uh, life yeah. insurance policy, Bob, before so you take that out into yeah. the woods. Well, that was going <laughs> to be my question for Who's, yeah. for Jim. Is <laughs> do you think those folks get insurance? I mean, uh, here you go. 
we're gonna if let not, you go. Can up. we put a pool together and get some insurance on this guy? <laughs> yeah. Who's got the delivery? <laughs> guy? Yeah, I'm not delivering that policy. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Hey, Bob, oh, before you come on and go home today, I got a little something <laughs> for you. I need you to go ahead and take this bear cub into the woods bear. near the bear den. Uh, yeah, there is a mommy bear, and it's going to be upset. But right. uh, pinch it somewhere it cries pretty ferociously <laughs> before you run away. <laughs> I'm thinking that's about the way this works. I mean, it seems reasonable to me, DJ. Yeah. yeah. And with the the guy, you need to make sure his premium is paid up before pay, he goes. Pay up, pay up, pay up, pay up. Yeah, no doubt. Paid up. So, Jim, are there are there folks that struggle to get insurance because of their job? Um, it's less today than it used to be. Really? Yeah. Um, the uh, criteria for uh, insurance is obviously an underwriting process and. Um, there were originally some challenges maybe with uh, police, um, things like that, but that's not so much anymore. They're more interested in the uh, medical issues than they are. And they're making, I mean, you have to provide insurable interest at the inception of a policy. Which means? Basically, that means that uh, a person has a legal right to own a policy on themselves or another person. So husbands and wives. They can own their policies on the other. But uh, you can't go buy insurance yeah, policy on a ranked uh, stranger. Correct. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily just go out and just buy a policy on you uh, yeah, or well. DJ, by that matter. But uh, now their insurable interest can carry over for corporations because sure. there is a financial interest there. That's the whole idea. Mm-hmm. It's mainly there for that purpose. Right. And those are the two biggest criteria that any underwriter for any insurance company is going to look for. Yeah. Uh, they do ask questions like, um, for military, they're going to ask if you have orders to go overseas. Oh, in a combat zone? Maybe? Yeah, and so obviously that's going to cause... Can they ask that sure specifically? They can. Yeah. Sure they can. Okay. Um, so there's a question on an application is, uh, are you current active duty military? And then the follow-up is, do you have active orders? Yeah. Now, the government actually does have different mechanisms for making sure that their soldiers are taken care of. Yeah. It's not through the uh, independent life insurance process, typically. So is one of the questions, have you ever tackled an email? <laughs> I haven't gone that one. No. Uh, underwriters That's how don't I got away be... with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a risk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, underwriters don't typically dig that deep. Yeah. Well, maybe I, they I, should. I wonder maybe how many humans should. walking upright are in that Taking boat that with DJ have tackled an email. I mean, outside, didn't. Wasn't DJ, wasn't there a farmer involved in that process? Oh, they was, knew yeah. that someone had Yeah, yeah, there was, a, there was an accident which led to ah. the escape of said oh, bird. Yeah. But, yeah. But it wasn't there caused was, by the bird. It was somebody's trailer yeah, there was came a, loose. Exactly. There was an accident. The trailer popped open. Bird gets out. I like, tackle bird. Was it bird? Farmer well, tackles you, bird. You chased him for a little while. Oh, it was like two hours. Oh, yeah, two it hours. It was exhausting. It was an exhausting day. <laughs> yeah. Got your exercise. This story gets better every time I hear it. I mean, it's just, I, I want to hear Fast. it one day where you tell it that, yeah, dude pulled up to get a cheeseburger at McDonald's. His emu broke out. He got out to catch him. Emu gets in the car, drives off. I mean, can you spice it up I'll a little bit? I'll spice it up next, next time. time. Next Great. time we got it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, we've got a, uh, uh, and and that basically concludes my dog. <laughs> that's, that's, if, if that's, we want that's a clearing it. That's it. 
Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that bears that conversation. We're going to move on. Yeah. There we go. Uh, glad I've never met with that. But, hey, that's good. you know, my wiener dogs are not going to get me in that bad a spot anyway. That's true. All right. So uh, we have a situation we do want to talk about. And, uh, you know, Jim, mm. you, you've already hit on some of the some of the interesting pieces of this. But uh, uh, Philip and Jana have uh, been very successful in mm. their careers. Uh, recently, they got uh, their wills reviewed by an attorney, and the attorney discovered that, uh, um, you know, there was a charity listed as a beneficiary on one of their accounts, uh, and he pointed out that they could maximize their donations by using life insurance, and, and we thought maybe it would be interesting for you to flesh out mm. uh, a little bit about how that would go Um for uh, for somebody in Philip and Janice's spot. Sure. Well, the question from the attorney sparked the curiosity. Sure. And so our goal is really to try to help answer a lot of the questions that might come from that. And so um, it's a true statement to say that life insurance, in any, in any regard, is all about leverage, right? It gives mm-hmm. whatever you're trying to do more volume with minimal dollars in terms of outflow, right? Um, so in this particular example, the, the concept was, well, uh, if their intent was to give X to a charity, uh, well, could you do it in a little bit different way, but get a more maximum type of a, quote, bang for the buck? Sure. And so it really did launch us down a path to kind of explore how is that done? What are the most efficient ways to do that? You know, with the tax law change that came about 2017, right. it, it changed a lot of the dynamic relative to uh, charitable giving. And so those are now, those charities are now looking at, boy, how do we try to stev the uh, the flow that wasn't, that was, that was changed with this new tax law. And so we started down this path of exploring, you know, could they purchase their own life insurance or essentially use the ones that they already had? That was one of the conversations. Sure. And just either uh, make sure that the family or the spouse was well taken care of, which they were, and then some portion of that, 10%, could be 50%, could be an actual dollar amount, was designated for a specific charity of their interest. Okay. So they maintained ownership, or they can maintain ownership, um, and then at their passing, they could make sure that their charity uh, of choice is well taken care of. Okay. Does it cost anything to change the beneficiary? No. Uh, that's the interesting thing. There is no, there's no cost component because it's essentially whatever premiums you were already scheduled to pay, you're going to continue. Yeah. All right. Well, Jim, I've got several questions, but I want to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll talk some more about this particular situation. You're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. Troy Harmon here with Jim Crone and DJ Barker, and uh, we've been talking about some life insurance and how you can increase the amount you give to charity uh, with a life insurance policy. Um, for those of you who have financial questions, we would love to hear from you. 
uh, you can call us on our question hotline at one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. The way it works, you leave your you'll hear our recording. You leave your um, voicemail, uh, including your question. We play the question on the air and answer right behind it. Uh, for those of you who prefer to call and talk to a human, you can do that as well. You call 770-429-9166. Ask for our radio show or Kelly Lynn, who is our producer. She will get you uh, get your question and get it to us, and uh, we will answer on the air. Um, the other way is you can email us, and the email address is drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. You can also go to our website, Hensler.com, spelled the same way, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com, and uh, you can potentially find the answer to your own question. We have all uh, types of uh, financial topics that are covered there with articles, uh, maybe even something about insurance, if, um, if Jim has done a good job. Ooh, yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, I'll just maybe, call the numbers. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'll surprise. Uh, uh. Yeah. Anyway, Jim, you do a great job. Uh, I like you, whether DJ doesn't. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, when we left the topic, uh, we were talking about, like I said, ways to uh, improve uh, your charitable giving through mm. insurance, and uh, a lot of folks don't think about this, but. Um, you know, I I uh, know you were fleshing out just how that could work. Basically, yeah. you make the beneficiary the um, the charity and let them receive the benefits once you pass. Yeah, uh, is is kind of the basic right. piece. Right. Now, a lot of times, um, you know, when DJ, when you get a a young couple mm-hmm. uh, who's looking for a financial plan. Uh, and they've just gotten started, so they have no cash. Um, I would assume that, you know, kind of the regular progression of things is you want to get them an emergency fund started, uh, six months of operational spending cash so that they can cover things that are unforeseen, like somebody loses a job or, you know, whatever. Car breaking down, those kind of things. Not a vacation, but, yeah, if your emergency something happens, we don't have the cash flow. So we we definitely the the younger professionals, uh, it's budgeting, right, and saving for emergency reserve. Yeah. So and the budget gets them to a point to where a point they where can they save. Know what the cash flow looks like on a monthly right. basis. Right. The cash flow tells us what we can save in addition. Uh, get that you know three to six months worth of funding, and then that's when we kind of have the conversation of you know needs for again we always talk about intent. What's the intent of life insurance? How do we? Why do we need it? Uh, income replacement, and then we start talking about, you know, obviously there's different types of life insurance, but we generally just like your standard term policy for a young professional. Replacing like income. Yeah, yeah replacing like the income. You know, 20-year term is that most common? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, talk about that type of policy, and then, you know, as the dynamic and the the changes in their career happens, that's when we bring in. Right. More components for sure. Yeah. That actually fits well into the strategy that we were having a conversation about before because the clients, they had multiple policies. Right. So um, it was true from the attorney that they identified an account with a charity as the beneficiary. Right. And he made a point. Well, gosh, if you if that was your goal, 
then maybe you could find a better leverage there if you were to name that charity as a beneficiary rather than that. Which then, you know, that sparked the whole diving deeper into these conversations. And back to the original point of we wanted to first make sure that they each had each other's protection element first, right? So if one passed, then the uh, protecting of their income was there so that their plan could come to fruition. That's the primary focus of what we ended up doing. In that process, we uncovered that the gentleman actually had an existing variable universal life policy, started many, many years before, and he essentially quit paying into it. And as a result, the results were that he had about a $42,000 cash value to support a $250,000 death benefit. So in this conversation, sparked by the attorney, which fleshed out when we make sure that the core insurance that was already there was there to replace their incomes if they passed, then you come up with this, gosh, what do you do with this other policy? And we then began to explore, well, could you name the charity as that beneficiary of that particular policy? And the absolute answer to that one is yes. And then we started to think, well, gosh, could we gift that policy to the charity? And the answer to that is yes. So there's another avenue of potential planning that's going to be to the benefit of the individual. Because when they do that, in that circumstance, their gift actually would have been the actual cash value. Mm -hmm. So with that, we then start to go back to the original insurance company and ask questions about, well, how long is this policy going to last? And the answers came back that it was going to go for about nine or ten years. At a gentleman his age, it didn't quite do a lot of, uh, there could, there's a very high likelihood there would be required premiums somewhere down the road. Okay. So the answer that was concluded on for this particular circumstance was they were just going to cash out of the policy and donate the $42,000. Okay. Because that was the end effect of what they were going to do. They were going to give it in one way, shape, or form. I see. And so... Uh, they made the decision, gosh, it would be better for us to just give them the $42,000 in cash. So i got a couple of questions. Sure. When you cash out on a policy, is there a taxable event? It would, it would only become a taxable event if you had cash value greater than the volume of premiums that you paid in. Okay. So, so the, the fact that it had been paying for itself for a little while makes it... The the volume of premiums that had been paid in was actually well ahead of the $42,000. So upon canceling, there was no taxable event for okay. that issue. So if it has grown, then sure. you would have... And if you did have taxable. a situation where in this hypothetical, if they had only paid in, say, 30000 of of premium and a cash value of forty two, if they cancel, that creates an ordinary income of $12,000 Okay. in that situation. And but does the, the, the life insurance company tracks that? They're, yes. Yes. I mean, so it's not something that Correct. a client would need to, on paper, Correct. keep track of initial contribution and monthly this for That's the last 20 point. years. The life insurance policy is done and tracked the life of in- interest and income and dividends, whatever's happening inside that policy. Yeah. One of the core questions we always ask, particularly with cash value policies, is what is the basis or yeah. what is the calculation done to calcu- make sure we understand how much premium has been paid in? Because yeah. that answers that question. Right. we so got to know that. If you haven't kept good records, it's okay. then you're listening that's okay. You might, you know, the, the life insurance company should, should oh, have, they yeah, always they're going to have that documentation have or, to, yeah. or record. 
Definitely. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, it's all good stuff. Um, mm. The other piece is even if it was taxable, and you're giving it away. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, we don't have a an accountant on today, but uh, true. Reality is, you've given That's away a good the income. Point. That's that a very there, good so. point. So yeah, they they could have gifted, and the charity could have then cashed it out. Yeah. To then avoid any of the taxable issue for the client. Oh okay. There so you if you again, if you know, remember the dedu- you know the uh, itemized deduction, right? So sure. Because of the changes, you got to you got to gift a little bit more to to cross to that, threshold. that threshold. So we got to be careful exactly. of that. What about insurable interest? Let's go back to that because at mm. the beginning of the show, you you mentioned that. So let's say, again, this policy has been in effect for quite some time, yep. you know, 15, 20 years. So mm-hmm. at the time, let's assume there was the insurance company, they made the audit, they assumed, yes, there was a spouse that was mm-hmm. going to be the beneficiary. 15 years later, we're changing that beneficiary potentially to a charitable organization. Sure. How, how does that break through? Is that a, a, a legal act? Can you, again, is that allowed? Good point or good question. The insurable interest is established at the time the policy has been taken out. Mm. Um, and that's the criteria that you have to have in order to have a policy legally Written. be brought into existence. When you st- when you move beyond that, then you're stepping into either um, uh, if it's you can sell the policy to another entity or you can gift it. And if you sell the policy, there has to be a legal uh, arm's length transaction that, okay. that makes that um, allowable. So that's a it's possible. Insurable interest, as I said, it's established at the time of the policy. Uh, beneficiaries can be changed mm-hmm. by the owner. So the insurable interest really has only a bearing on who owns the, the policy. The opening sequence. The opening sequence. And if there are things to be done and changed down the road, they are legitimately available. Uh, one being a gift. A second option is a is a sale, which we can talk about. Yeah, maybe those. when we come back, why yeah. don't we jump into to that? Because that sounds like an interesting uh, scenario. Yeah, everything with insurance and Jim is interesting. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. fun. It's fun. All right, you're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. Darling, you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? If you say that you are mine, I'll be here till the end of time. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with DJ Barker and none other than Jim Crone, the insurance guy. Mm. Yeah, just insurance. Insurance. Yeah. I I don't know how that's spelled, but I don't know how insurance is spelled either. (laughs) Neither do I. (laughs) Yeah. You just talk about the stuff. That's right. There you go. All right. Well, we've been uh, talking about insurance pretty much the whole show yeah, uh if you have questions uh financial insurance financial planning uh even stocks which is kind of my world um you can always give us a call one eight five five four two nine nine one six six uh is our question hotline you'll hear our recording 
uh, leave your recording, including your question. We'll play it on the radio and answer right behind it. If you prefer to speak to a human, you can call us at 770-429-9166. Ask for the radio show or Kelly Lynn, and uh, she'll get your question and get it to us. Um, or you can email drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Or go to our website, hensler.com, and potentially answer your question just by perusing the data that we have downloaded there. Yeah. Um, so, um, guys, we uh, have been talking about this, and uh, Jim, you brought up that there has not always been the smoothest of mm. sledding in the space, uh, get, getting uh, money to a charity via life insurance policies yeah. is kind of an old concept. It's not new. Sure. And um, you said there's been some yeah, there trouble, was some in, trouble in, in paradise. insurance paradise. Oh, yeah. goodness. Yeah. Several years ago, uh, there was a strategy. So there were firms that were pitching these concepts to charities as a mechanism for raising funds. So there was a, you had a good intent, but then you get into the details and you start wondering, wait a minute, <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, there were days where the charitable foundation, whatever it happened to be, would be purchasing life insurance policies on any number of their donors, top donors, some small, whatever. That donor would have to agree to this? Sure, absolutely. Okay. So that would be, we'll call it step one. And then the the contract was owned by the charity. Okay. And then a short time afterwards, could be a year, could be however long it would take, but they would then go out and sell the charity because they are the owner of that contract on the life of whoever they don't have as a donor. They would go sell that policy for cash in hand today. And it would be a, a discount against the death benefit. But there are policies, there are corporations and uh, we'll call it the secondary market of life insurance um, that would uh, come in and purchase policies. And so it was kind of a, it was a scheme. And, and as a result of that, um, insurance companies have a lot more questions today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When so you are have, those secondary markets still out? And about? Sure they are. Yeah. Um, We've worked a couple scenarios yeah. where we have shopped. Yeah. We have. Think, you know. Well, the, the issues that we're, it can make sense for a secondary purchase, secondary market of a policy is when you have a situation where the client, for whatever reason, either their their own goal or intent, they don't want it, need it anymore, or there is a cash flow issue, they can't make those premiums. Uh, there could be any number of issues, but the secondary market is called life settlements, and that's their... Uh, it's typically for clients who have less than 10 years of life expectancy. That's when Which you is have, tough, right? I mean, you is. think about this. You come into a client's coming to the table with a need for money, and you're basically saying, it's a choice. i got to have a little bit more because yeah. what's your health situation? If you're going to live for 20 years, this isn't an option. That's exactly If you're going to live right. for five, and it's a hard conversation to have, an uncomfortable conversation sure. to yeah. have because it's a, I, a different scenario. I had a different situation. I had a couple who uh, had a second-to-die policy, owned in a trust, and they actually did approach me to see if there was a secondary choice. They didn't want the life insurance anymore in the in the policy, excuse me, held in the trust. Uh, 
with their ages of 65 and 64, I had to tell them, eh, no, <laughs> there isn't a market yeah. for you to. And so then you're left with a different choice. You either just cash it out, which in their circumstance, there was no cash value. So, you know, you're exactly right. Those are difficult questions to arrive at. And the only way you're going to be able to explore that option fully is to kind of go through a real probing yeah. process for the life insurance where they're going to go out. They're not going to do a new medical exam, but they're going to go, going to go get your medical records and make their own judgment yeah. on how long of life, life expectancy they believe is going to be there. And then they can make an offer and purchase the policy. That was where we were going before right. in terms of an insurable interest. They're purchasing an insurable interest yeah. because it was done. The per insurable interest was established at the time of the contract way back when. Yeah. So. Yeah. Interesting that uh, somebody would come up with a strategy that would uh, be so creative. It's a, uh, I got to yeah. tell you, the first venture into this uh, life settlement market that I, I did many, many years ago, man, it was the wild, wild west. I mean, it was uh, it was a uh, offer here and then you had a competing offer there. And then I began to step back and say, what what's going on? And in that circumstance, we did find a good answer, but uh, it's a lot more tight today in terms of some regulatory framework. Sure, has yeah, come they, in. they've come into the, yeah. the picture and yeah. put belt and suspenders almost. around it. So belt and suspenders, and suspenders. You gotta love some of that. Yeah. And white shoes, really? <laughs> That's I mean, the insurance like, guy. Sounds like DJ's uh, emu catching costume. <laughs> That's right. Sounds like DJ's Christmas costume. <laughs> well, he does have one of those, and if you haven't seen it, boy, are you missing a treat. <laughs> I, I don't know. We ought to talk to our producer to see if we can put that on the website. We don't need that to <laughs> yeah, happen. No, I don't I think. think uh, awesome. uh, if you ever seen Cousin Eddie, you can kind of get an idea. <laughs> put that picture in your mind. Well, that there's yeah. an RV. Christmas, Christmas vacay. Yeah, that is an <laughs> RV. Uh, real cool there, Clark. Um, anyway, we've got a question here that I'd like to cover, and, and it's very similar to the topic we're talking about now. Donnie from Canton writes, uh, who should own my life insurance policy? I'm married with two kids. I have coverage through work, but our agent suggested we carry our own life insurance policy. Yeah. So I, I guess the first answer would be, do you need it? I mean, if you got other assets that would make you not really a, a good candidate, because sometimes agents get a little bit aggressive. Uh, they get aggressive, but at the same time, they also... <laughs> Look at He's a policy at as a retirement yeah. account, and it's oh, not yeah. the same. It's not. Right? It is not. Yeah. yeah. But, Jim, mm -hmm. you got any ideas? So when we talk about ownership, um, the classic approach to the ownership issue is the individual owns their own policy. Therefore, they get to name whoever they want to name as a beneficiary. And if circumstances change, they can make a change to the beneficiary with no issue. Right. Right? That's the classic approach to sure. ownership. Um it, you step into a new arena when you have an estate uh, planning question right? because it might be more beneficial in that circumstance to have a trust own the policy. Um, I have done these situations or I've seen situations where husbands own policies for their wife and vice versa. And in that circumstance, it's perfectly fine for that until to be the case until things change. get a divorce. Yep. And then you have a whole different scenario to have to uncover and figure out right because uh, you know you're you're likely to make the beneficiary somebody else and yes now that's right you know instead of uh instead of the person who is insured being able to control that and uh, exactly you know it, it does kind of make for some sticky yeah um 
planning situation, right? Right. And something to consider, too, is remember, if you lose your job and your life insurance is through your work, you've just lost your life insurance, right? So there's an opportunity where, you know, there could be if you're, uh, it, yep. you know, give me a price point here. But if the younger you are, if you do a 20-year term, obviously it's yes. more financially beneficial to do a, a term mm-hmm. kind of in the younger year. So if you're, if you're going to stay at the current employer, maybe that's okay. But if you think there could be changes in the future, you know, go ahead and get a policy that's outside of that job, that, that employment. That way, no matter where you go, you've got a low rate locked yeah. in for that amount of time, right. and you hopefully would pick up a new job and have additional life insurance. One of the other factors that we see very often is uh, when insurance is, is available or purchased through the employer, they don't typically get the best rates. Right. Uh, yeah. They're they're more of a group, group policy type uh, where if you're eligible and you're able to get an individual policy, you can lock in a great rate and like you say, have it locked in for a long period of time. Yeah, so it's definitely some planning on this that to explore. Yeah, uh, maybe even some some tax consequences depending on what's happening. So talk to your financial planner, your insurance, there and you CPA. Go. There you go. All right, well, uh, show's over, basically. Yeah. You guys think market's up or down? Oh, week? it's going up. Uh, Jim says I buy like the annuities. <laughs> oh, goodness, here <laughs> yeah, we go. I stole your phone. <laughs> I say the market's up. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.